Morning, everybody, and welcome back to class. Today's message is one that is close to my heart. LOL. We're talking about relationships today, and I would like to title today's message, Haves and Have-Nots. For those of you listening to the audio version of this, Haves is spelled H-A-L-V-E-S. Haves and Have-Nots. Anybody in here that's really good in math? Really good at math? Anyone in here okay at math? Your average? Your mean, right? Mean is the mathematic term for average, and then you've got your mode and your range. And so I want to throw a formula at you guys. You've probably heard the popular saying, two halves make a whole, right? Because if you have 50% and 50%, you put them together, and then you have 100%, right? Mathematically, that is true. But today, today I would like to posit something, postulate, hypothesize, that in relationships, that's not always the case. Now, you've probably heard this phrase before, he or she is my other half, half right? Or when married people are so old and cute, they're like, have you seen my better half? Yes. I went to Target and I haven't seen her in three hours, right? She's out wandering around purchasing stuff on sale. So we say, oh, two halves make a whole. But I want to kind of cross-reference that, and we're going to see what the Bible has to say about love. Now, I won't put anybody on the spot and say, like, how many of y'all are in a relationship? Because, you know, we know that those come and go and things happen and you're young. You've got plenty of time. But I'm going to share with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Uh, I need to fix that. 1 through 13. And I'll just throw it up on the screen so we can all read together. Let me see if we can get this to come up here so we can all read it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is often called the love chapter. You've probably heard it before. But we'll start in verse 1. Verse 1 is always a good place to start. 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, I think of like the X-Men when I read this part, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So now this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. Ooh. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Verse 11, I love verse 11 right here. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Or for the ladies in the audience, when I became a woman, uh, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. 
We're going to spend some time talking about how we view love. So I will ask you this because it's not too embarrassing or anything. How many of you have ever had a crush on someone? Uh, you see them and you're like, wow, won't he do it? Ain't God good? Or you see someone and you're just like, yes, Lord, is this you calling me? Right? But then sometimes you also see someone and you're like, uh, hey, God, what's that over there? Say, girl, what's up? <laughs> and we think that we feel these feelings called love. And this is not a biology class. We're not going to talk about how your body is changing and things are going on in your brain and your body and all these things. We're just going to talk about what we view as love. Specifically, I was just scrolling through my social media feeds and there was this woman, she was a famous actor, model, and she'd done series and stuff in the past, and she got married to this guy who did movies. And so I was just reading, just celebrity gossip, whatever. And he said, yes, I've loved her for so many years, and now that I didn't have my other wife, we were available to get together. And I was like, wait a minute, if you loved her while you were with that other woman, like, how does that work? That doesn't quite fit. And then it turns out they were only married for like a couple weeks. Yeah, because then I was scrolling and you know how they see like the keywords like you may be interested in this because you clicked on this. And then it said this guy and this woman recently married, divorced. Like, what? I think they were only married like 12 days or something like that. Oh yeah, I know. It was crazy. I'm like, okay, I'm no rocket scientist, That's but that ain't love, right? So I have to think about what do we think when people say I love, and I hate this phrase, and I'm going to teach you guys this, how much I hate this phrase, when people say fall in love, right? Like, oh, there was nothing I could do to stop it, and here we are. But love, as we see in the scripture, love is a choice. And we're going to break some things down today, and I want you guys, I'll just leave the screen in this view because it's big enough, but I want you guys, if you have a note-taking app or if you have some paper, I want you to put these down right here because we're going to chew on them. I love that verb. We're just going to chew on this for a little bit. If you want to take a picture and then draw on your screen, however you do. So love is. We're going to talk about what love is, and then we're going to talk about what love is not. Sometimes to help people understand what something is, you have to tell them what it is not. Just kind of clearly define. And love is so abstract. It's like love. What is love? And people say, well, God is love. Well, yeah, but how, what does that mean to us? What does that look like? What does love act like? What does it sound like? Does it sound like some guy singing a love song about how when you smile, the whole world stops and stares for a while because you're amazing just the way you are? You know? Yeah, it's it song lyrics. I'm cool. Or is love like, oh my gosh, you know, it's so passionate. I hate when people say passion because for them it's like a physical, chemical thing. But when someone says passion, I always think of like the last hours of Jesus, like the passion of the Christ. So love is patient. Oh, love is patient. Let's talk about that. Love doesn't always get its way. And at our age, right, we love to scroll we love to watch, then we love to move on. If you don't like it, you move on. If you don't like it, you move on. If you don't like it, you move on. But there are a lot of people who treat their relationships like TikTok. Well, you're not funny anymore. You don't make me laugh anymore, so I'm gonna move on. <laughs> Scroll. There's actually a dating app for adults, and there's this whole meme about it where you swipe left, meaning, oh, I don't wanna see that person. No, I don't wanna see that person. And then when you see a person that you want to date or interact with, you swipe right. 
And so whenever people see something and they're like, they don't like it or whatever, and they're like, mm, swipe left, meaning like, yeah, I don't wanna see that anymore. Love is patient. Patient means not quickly. Lily, you're gonna grow an animal for the FFA, right? Are you gonna buy it and it's gonna be ready to go? Like no, just add water? You have to get it young and then it has to grow and you have to feed it. And if you don't feed it, it's not going to grow. It's just going to, yeah. And uh, love, relationships in general, are a lot like pets. You get a pet, you have to take care of the pet, you have to feed the pet, you have to clean the pet, you have to maybe sometimes take it to the doctor. Because if not, it's going to die, isn't it? Yeah, like you see those commercials where they have what's-her-face and they show the dog, winter is here and so many animals are left outside. Right? And then they're like shivering in slow motion and that lady comes on. Arms of an angel. <laughs> Donate today and save a life. You know what I'm talking about? Sarah McLaughlin and her one-eyed, three-legged cat. So love is patient. You have to take care of your relationships. You can't just say, well, what can you give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. You say, uh, I see it, I like it, I want it, I get it. Right? That's not how it works. You have to take care of the relationship. And I think of specifically like in my life where I've seen this a lot is for those of you who know, my dad had an accident in the early 90s and he sustained brain damage and he had to do physical therapy. Like it was a long road back to recovery and he's still walking down that road. But to see what my mother had to do to keep the family together and to work really hard. Shout out to a lot of the single parent families because they have to be patient for two people. Love is patient. And when people say, well, I love you and we've been dating for three months and now I want to have sex. Well, that's not very patient, is it? No, that's like you go and you buy the goat and you're like, hey goat, why aren't you bigger? Like hurry up and grow. Just <laughs> pour water on you and you grow faster. Love is patient. Love takes its time, which is why a lot of people say, well, younger kids don't need to be dating. Well, why? Because then they get impatient. They say, well, I want to have that. You know, they follow celebrities and they say, oh, they're so goals. I want to be like, what's his face, Jonas, and whatever her name is, Chopped Up, or Bianca, or whatever. The, one of the Jonas brothers got me. So patience means that you're willing to wait. And a lot of people out there are not wanting to wait. And they say, well, I'm eight years old, but I'm gonna do my makeup so I look like I'm 15. Or, you know, I wanna watch these adult movies, or I wanna listen to these adult songs, and I wanna be like an adult, but there's no rush to grow up. One of the things that you'll find out is that love being patient also has to do with pain. Relationships can bring tough, difficult times. And a lot of younger kids, they're not ready for that. They see somebody and they're like, well, I don't like that you talk to her, so I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Love is patient. You're willing to wait. In fact, the Bible even says, it's a kind of talking to young women in the Bible, and it says, do not awaken love before it's time. Anyone ever eaten a green banana? No. It's kind of like firm and sour. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, ah, I should have waited on this banana. Or unripened fruit of any kind. I had a pear one time, and it was so hard, and I was just like, Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, because it wasn't ready. I wasn't patient. So just like fruit, you have to wait for it to ripen, for it to be full of flavor, ready to be consumed. The same thing with love. You know, everyone wants to kind of rush love and, all right, hurry up, you know, let's move on to the next step. What is the next step? Well, is it first base or is it second base? Or is it growing and learning and figuring out what God has planned for our lives so that when we move forward, we can help each other. 
Now remember, we're talking today about how two halves don't make a whole. Mathematically, it doesn't sound correct, but it is. Love is kind. And all we're going to say about this is that if you see any signs in any relationship of unkindness, that is a red flag. We all know people who say, oh, that relationship is so toxic, girl. You need to drop him. Sounds like they're not being kind. Whenever they make comments, oh, well, I really like your hair when it's like this. And when it's not, I don't like your hair. Okay, that's not kind, right? I was having a chat with a friend the other day and she's like, I was thinking of cutting my hair, what do you think? And so I'm older now, and so I said, you know what? Your hair looks great, whatever you decide to do, girl, you do you, you just, you do you, girl, right? Because there's always that trap, because if you say to someone, oh, it looks so great this way, then what are you not saying, but you're really saying, you're saying, well, it doesn't look as great that way. So body image is definitely something that a lot of us are aware of because of social media and all these things, but even just deferring to others. You guys ever play a game of football? At the beginning of every football game, there's a coin toss. And if you win the coin toss, you get the chance to be selfish and receive the kick or do what, Vinny? What do you call it when you don't take the kick? Defer. You let them choose. That is a show of kindness when you defer to someone. I've known a lot of people who are very opinionated and then when they get together, they have to learn to compromise. They have to defer. Well, I really feel like eating at Wingstop today, but I know that you've been wanting Asian for a while, so I will defer to you. Or the same way, like I really wanted to watch this show, but I know that you had this special, whatever, one of those live musicals that's coming on tonight, so we'll watch that with you. When I was a little boy, I always had to defer to my older sister. So now I know a lot about gymnastics and figure skating and all these things that she was into because she had the remote, right? But at the same time, kindness is deferring. And so when you're in this relationship and you say, well, I have this and I have this and I have this and I have this. And if you want this, then you got to be a part of my life. But you also have to consider they have their own life. You know what I mean? You can't always talk about what you like. You also have to kind of get interested and think about what they like to do. Are they into sports? Are they into certain types of movies or fiction or music? And as we get closer to more scriptural backing where you kind of start to resemble each other. You ever seen an old married couple and they kind of act and sound like each other? And they finish each other's sandwiches? That's a Disney reference. Kindness, it means giving to that person, not just wanting to take and take and take and take. Speaking of giving, love is forgiving. And I put that because in 1 Corinthians 13, it says love bears all things. And I don't know if you knew what that means where it says love bears all things. Bear is spelled B-E-A-R. That means it carries it. Bear is not B-A-R-E. That means it takes clothes off. Okay, so that's just a little side note. But I hate it when people say bear with me because they spell it wrong. And it's like, let's go skinny dipping. That's not what it means when people say, bear with me. They're supposed to spell it bear. Love bears all things. That means it can carry it. Just like sometimes we watch a certain superstar and he says, I'm gonna put the team on my back, right? He bears that team, he carries them. So when love bears all things, that means that things that happen, love can carry that. Not everybody's gonna say the exact perfect thing in a relationship at every time. Sometimes they're like, oh, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <clears throat> but love is forgiving, it can carry that. You have to be able to trust people in a relationship. So when the Bible says love bears all things, it means it's forgiving. Now that's not a hall pass to go out and be like, hey baby, I know love bears all things, so I cheated again, my bad. Where do you wanna go eat? <laughs> that's, not, 
That's not kind. See how these are all connected? Patience has to do with forgiveness. You have to say, you know what? I understand that sometimes you get upset when your team loses, so I'm not going to pick on you and be like, oh, you know, yeah, how about those spurs now? Oh, it hurts. <laughs> Forgiving. Now, we're not allowing for any kind of abuse here. We're not talking about extremes. What we're saying is in the day-to-day, -day, <clears throat> you are going to have some arguments. You're going to have to come back and be like, look, I apologize. You know that this is my team. You know, when you were talking trash about the Cowboys, I shouldn't have said, you know, you smell like cheese or whatever. Right? <laughs> forgiving. You're going to have to have forgiveness in any relationship. I'm sure you've asked your siblings for forgiveness, your parents for forgiveness. How would you feel if you're like, Mom, I'm really sorry that I popped off the other day when you told me to take the clothes out of the dryer. And she's like, well, that's too bad because I already packed your suitcase. What? <laughs> no. You still love your parents. They still provide for you. They still take care of you. Hopeful. Love is hopeful. Love hopes for all things. Now, I love how these two are side by side. Forgiving and hope. Because there's forgiveness, there is hope. Like we say, well, Jesus forgave us, so now we have hope for eternity. We're not going to die and burn in hell forever. Like, I'm really glad that He forgave us when we enter into a relationship with Him. And that's what love is. You say, well, God is love. Well, that's how Jesus shows us. He's patient. The Bible says this is how God demonstrates His love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like, Jesus died for the people who nailed Him to the cross. That's crazy. Love is kind. Jesus speaks in parables so that we can understand what He's trying to teach us. Love is forgiving. Love is hopeful. And then love is enduring. Whenever people say, well, we just fell out of love. Oh, I hate that so much. I hate that so much because if it doesn't last, then it's not love. And they say, well, no, you know, people change. Yeah, people change, but love never fails. If God is love, if Jesus Christ is the embodiment of love, and He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then love should not change. And if people change and then they fall out of love, then you didn't love that person. You only liked a part of that person. You see what I'm saying? If you love the whole person, like people say, she a whole woman. Okay, if you love the whole person, then even when they change, you still love them. So when people say, well, things have changed, you know what changed? You realize that it wasn't love. Because if God is love and you say, well, we fell out of love, then you're saying, well, God's not enough. Uh-oh. Now, if their body wasn't enough or their personality wasn't enough or their popularity wasn't enough or their humor wasn't enough, then I understand that. It wasn't love. It's just infatuation. It was just a crush. I like this about you. And now I don't. Then it's not love. Because love endures all things. And if it doesn't endure, it's not love. Now, there are instances, in fact, we're going to talk about when people are talking to Jesus about divorce and how divorce is legal under the law and in the Bible. But let's talk a little bit about what love is not. Love's not envious. So I'm going to give you a quick vocabulary lesson, if you'll indulge me. There's a difference between being jealous and being envious. This is what it means. Being jealous means protecting what you have. So like that jealous girlfriend, they're like, that is my man's. You looked at him for 2.5 seconds and you are only allowed a second and a half. <laughs> Protecting what you have, jealous. The Bible even describes God as a jealous God. He tells people in the first two commandments, you shall have no other gods before me and you won't make any idols. And we've talked about that in the past. So envious is different than jealousy. Jealousy means protecting what you have. Envious means wanting what you don't have. Uh-oh, here we go, because maybe, and we'll, we'll say other people, we won't say us, but other people we've seen, 
people in a relationship and then all of a sudden that person in that relationship is very attractive right? oh wow i never he's with her i never knew he's so cute girl girl good for you and they're already thinking envious right I'm like okay let me just oh what's this the dms are open oh goodness I actually saw a tweet the other day and it said, if someone posts a picture of their boyfriend and you add them, you're a horrible person. Now they use different words than horrible person, but this is youth class, so we don't quote Twitter word for word. <laughs> but I thought about that, I'm like, wow, there are actually people out there who do that. Like they don't have anybody of their own, they see somebody else and they're like, I want that one. <laughs> Not someone like that, but I want that one. That's horrible. Now, I know that would never be any of us, and none of us have ever had boyfriends or girlfriends stolen away from us by envious people. But that's not love. <laughs> love is envious. Well, the Bible says in the ninth commandment not to covet your neighbor's oxen or his wife or his manservant. So if they're doing that, breaking commandments and God is love, and God says do this and you do what God says not to do, then it's not of God, so that's not love. Many times it's just lust. Like, I hate it when people say, oh, well, what's, what's your body type? What do you like? Okay, first of all, if you're after a body, you're not after a person. Because we know that a person is spirit, soul, and body. That makes it 33%. That's less than half of who you are. And they say, well, I love them. No, you only love like this one-third of them. And specifically, only like this 25% of this one-third of them. So when we say love is envious, and they say, man, I wish I had someone with whatever you know a six-pack or someone with oh green eyes oh my gosh that's not love that's just lust that's envy i wish i had what i don't have but god is not envious he's jealous he's saying i love you and i'm going to protect you i don't want you fooling around with anybody else in fact in the old testament when the prophets are like spanking the nation of israel they use a lot of imagery that talks about harlots if you don't know what a harlot is it's a prostitute if you don't know what a prostitute is it means you're married you have a covenant with god and you're out here fooling around with these other gods and these other nations and these other things Ugh. and that's why god's so passionate about idolatry it's like you say you love me but you out here with your mama mentality giving everything in your heart and soul to your sport instead of to your God. So what's really your God, your God or your sport? Oh, that's tough. You say you love me, but you send the good morning and the good night text before you even pray. So what are you really worshiping, me or Boothang? Oh, is that 290s? Should I have said Bay? Is that, the kids still say Bay? No, you're SOS, how's that? You're someone special? No, okay, all right. Well, okay, that's a little, little too strong of a term. <laughs> so let's talk about how love is not arrogant. We all know those people who, when they are together, they want everyone and their mama to know they are together. And every post that they put, they're in each other's pictures, and they're like, peep the bio. And they have like their anniversary of the first time they DM'd each other or whatever, right? Like 23 Valentines together and all this. Okay, all right. <laughs> 57 days ago, I made the best decision of my life. Okay. I did. I did have a student the other day. She's like, guess what's next week, Mr. Sixtos? I'm like, uh, Tuesday. She's like, four months with me and my boyfriend. Oh my like, okay. <laughs> That's nice. So love is not arrogant. Because remember, love is kind. And these kind of pair off. You know, if you're patient with what you have, then you're not envious of what you don't have. If you're kind with this person, then you're not going to be proud and boastful to other people. 
some of the best relationships I've ever seen have been those that are kind to the singles. And they're like, you know, we're together, but we're not going to be all over each other in front of you because we know that that makes everyone uncomfortable, right? That's kind when people say we're confident and patient enough in our relationship that we're going to take things slowly. Like even married people, they've got a pass to do all the married people things, but you don't see them all up in church like, hey, honey. Oh, you used a different mouthwash today, right? Arrogance is not love. And if you're glorying it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with posting a picture, right? Let's say you have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Y'all been together for a while. You take a picture and you're like, hey, you know, shout out to my best friend or whatever people say. There's nothing wrong with that. But then when you start to try and make people envious, then you're saying, look what I have that you don't. That's arrogant, right? Especially if someone breaks up with you and then they're like, oh, well, I upgraded or whatever they say, right? That's arrogance. That's not love. Ugh. And it's also rude. That's just rude. I was talking to my students the other day, and I said, you know, I understand that kids get distracted. Most of my kids are 14, 15 years old. From time to time, they check their phone, or they get a buzz on their watch, and they look at it. I don't get mad. I expect them to be distracted. So then I tell them, like, oh, let's put our phones away. You know, make sure you stay focused. So then we have that exchange, but then if they intentionally look at their phone or intentionally check out, now that's just being rude. And when I told him that, some kids were uncomfortable, like, well, I'm not rude. I was like, well, if I tell you not to, and then you do, that's rude. And like, well, I don't want to be rude. It's like, well, then put your phone away. It's very simple. So if love is not rude, and you say, well, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to say, hey, where do you want to eat? Well, I want to eat here. Well, we ate there last week. I can't believe you. And then they start to get rude. Like, why are you so, oh, I hate it when you, okay. Now when you're trying to shape this person and change this person, instead of being kind and compromising, now you're just being rude. Now you're being controlling. Now you're being manipulative. I don't want you talking to that person. I don't like it when you, why'd you leave me on red? It's not like you have classes and sports and a job and a family. I'm the most important thing in your life and you need to answer right away. Okay, let's be honest here. Y'all are kids. There's a lot of stuff going on in your lives. And if someone texts you and then you can't get to it right away, that doesn't mean that you don't care. It just means you're busy. And if a lot more people could understand that, we'd have a lot less broken friendships and relationships. Yeah, amen from the amen corner. Love is not irritable. And I'll spend very brief time because I could go on all day long about how love is not irritable. But there are some times, and I'll just kind of go back in time when we used to get together and play volleyball a lot as a church. And sometimes people would get upset. And I remember one time, actually several times, when a husband would get upset with a wife or a wife would get upset with a husband. And I would kind of mention to some other players on the team, I don't think this has to do with volleyball. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's like, oh, well, maybe this and this and that. Well, maybe if this and this and this and that. And they're like, okay, we're not talking about this anymore. Yeah. They're talking about something else. Now, that's not to say the husbands and wives don't have arguments. It happens, right? But again, we're patient, kind, forgiving, hopeful, and enduring through those arguments. When you're irritable, it's like any little thing. Like someone's putting on their makeup and you're just like, oh my gosh, can you smack any louder? Right? <laughs> Or they're just doing something and all of a sudden you're irritable because what irritability shows, and I'll just tell you this straight up, what irritability shows is you're looking for reasons to be angry. And if you're kind, patient, loving, forgiving, hopeful, you're not going to look for 
ways and reasons to fight them. You're going to look for ways and reasons to bless them, to love them, to protect them, to care for them. And again, irritability is showing, I want a reason to fight you. I want a reason to not like you. I need to justify our arguing so that I don't have to confront the fact that I need more patience, more kindness, more forgiveness. Now it's your fault. Uh-oh. But if God is saying, this is what love is, and this is what love isn't, and we find this here, and we say, well, it's that person, and she always gets on my nerves. Did you pray about it? Did you talk to her about it? Well, you know how she is, and oh my gosh, and don't get me started on her mother, right? Oh, no. Irritability is looking for reasons not to love someone. That's not love. And then vengeful. Vengeful is definitely a very tricky subject because vengeful means you did this to me, I'm going to remember that later. But we just saw right here, I'll swipe on over, it says love keeps no records of wrong. Right? Does not rejoice in wrongdoing, rejoices in the truth, love bears all things. It says love is not, right here, in verse 5, it does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. So when someone does something to you, if you love that person, you're going to be like, okay, we need to walk through this together. If you don't love that person, you say, oh, you just wait. You just wait. And you bring it up later. And people say, oh, that's petty. Well, you know, they had it come into them. And the same way, if someone ever, you know, breaks up with you and then they say, well, I hope this happens to you or I'm going to make sure that you never this or that, that wasn't love to begin with. They didn't care. Maybe y'all had fun. The Bible doesn't say fun never fails. Maybe y'all like, oh, wow, you know, I have this innate desire to feel wanted and to feel attractive. And this person, when he smiles at me, you know, you smile, I smile. Oh, man, right? Those the old jams. Yeah, the old jams. Like, when I was 13, I had my first love. <laughs> Weird. Somebody was playing that, that uh, baby, baby song. Is it Justin Bieber, right? Justin Bieber, yeah, when he was like 12. Because they were saying, this is the most hated song of all time. It's got a lot of dislikes on YouTube. But when you see these things, it's not wrong to want to be loved. We're designed by our Creator to be loved. But the problem is that we think a person can make us feel loved. We think that someone like us, who's a half, can make us whole. But mathematically, two halves make a whole. Relationally, they don't make a whole. We're going to talk about marriage for a second. So the Pharisees are asking Jesus, Hey Jesus, what do you think about all this divorce law? What do you think about marriage? Shouldn't we redefine marriage, Jesus? I was actually just reading about uh, some pastor friends that I've known from way back, and they decided, you know what? We're not going to follow what the Bible says about marriage and sexuality and gender identity. We're going to change. We're going to leave our organization because we don't believe what Jesus says about men and women in marriage. And that's going to cause a whole thing with their family members and, and the Word of God. And that's, he, he's made that decision as a pastor of his church. We're not going to follow what the Bible says. Well, let's see what the Bible says, specifically red letters, what Jesus Christ said about marriage. He answered and said to them, have you not read, and he's quoting Genesis 2, 24 and 25 in here, that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female. So that's pretty clear, God's design for the human body. Verse 5, and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his Wife. This is singular. God never designed for more than one husband or more than one wife, even though people have taken advantage of that. And the two 
shall become one flesh. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We started off by saying two halves make a whole. That's not what the Bible says, is it? It says two shall become one. So let me explain how this works. We think I am this person, and if I find someone like this, that will make me whole. What the Bible is intending here is that you should recognize what you need, recognize that Jesus is all that you need, and be whole. You don't need someone to complete you. You don't need a relationship to fulfill your deepest desires. God's designed us for a relationship, but with Him first. Because without the love of Jesus, you're going to be petty, you're going to be vengeful, you're going to be rude, you're going to be arrogant. With the love of Jesus, you're kind, you're forgiving, you're patient. And if the person that you were with or are with doesn't exhibit these, chances are he needs to work on his Jesus part. Because if not, it's just a half. Two halves don't make a whole. Two halves will get together and still not be able to fill that hole. Mm-hmm. So I love how Jesus says, a man and a woman, the two... They're complete in Him. A man who knows what God's called him to do. A woman who knows what God's called her to do. They get together and they say, you know what? Together we can be better for the cause of Christ. And the two will become one flesh. So we think, you know, we see people like, oh, well, you know, Snapchat told me this. Or Instagram told me this. Or my friends told me this. Or the television told me this. Or the radio told me this. Or the Disney Channel told me this. What does the Bible say? Because we look up to these people and then we wonder, how did they fall out of love? They were so cute together. I remember reading uh, about a guy. He did like a reality show. And so he became famous and he married this gorgeous actress. Amazing. I mean, she's beautiful. And then he cheated on her with a tattoo artist. And when they put the picture out there, I was like, okay, um... I don't know how that happened, right? Because he was with a movie star. And if I were to say her name, like you would know who she was in the movies that she made. Famous. And he cheated on her with this tattoo artist. And I'm like, why? Tiger Woods in uh, the mid-2000s. He married, if you don't know this, he married, I can't remember if it's Swedish or Norwegian, but a supermodel. Like a woman who is paid to look good. It's gorgeous. And they, I think they had a kid. I don't remember if they did or not. And he cheated on her. And I'm like, she's a supermodel. Like, where do you go from there? <laughs> that's, that's the tip top. But if he just wanted something and it was just based on looks or just based on availability or what he could get out of the relationship, all these things happen. Now, thank God that there's grace if marriages or relationships in the church falter or there's infidelity, different things like that. But at the same time, if you kind of foolproof your relationship. If you go in knowing this is going to be tough, I'm not going to get everything that I want, you're not going to fulfill my every desire, that takes a lot of stress off the other person. Because if someone's trying to be Jesus for you, they're never going to be able to do that. If you come in with these unrealistic expectations, like, well, our life's going to be a Disney fairy tale, and anytime that it's not, this must not be the one. Well, maybe we need to ask if we are one with Jesus, because Jesus said that two shall become one. Not two halves make a whole. When people say, oh, you complete me. Really? Because only Jesus can do that. So I wrote you guys a poem this morning, and I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to remember this. I want you to write it down. I want you to type it. I want you to meditate on it. Two halves won't make you whole. Whole spelled with the W. Two halves won't make you whole. 
So I was meditating on this word, and we didn't have to get into specifics. We didn't have to make anybody feel bad or guilty about, you know, your relationship past or future. But I want you to remember the words of Jesus. So I wrote this poem for you, and it goes like this. There once was a man with holes in his hands. It was all part of his master plan. The holes in his feet, a hole in his side. They whipped him and beat him. He hung till he died. Why would he do this? Why fill this role? Jesus was pierced so your heart could be whole. You think about that. Especially in Febrero, I mean, there was candy and bunnies and elephants and bears flying all over the place Friday. And then we have like the singles who are like, oh my gosh, I feel so incomplete if I didn't have somebody on this day or somebody didn't send me something. Because we have this desire to be loved. We just want to be loved. And Jesus is saying, I love you so much that I died for you. And we want to take all of that that only Jesus can fulfill and try and make a person fulfill that. And that's impossible. A woman will never fulfill everything you need. A man will never fulfill everything you need. Because Jesus never intended them to. He didn't say, well, haven't you read that two halves make a whole? No. He said, the two shall become one flesh. A man a woman, a whole man who has his business taken care of, who knows what God's called him to do, who has a financial stability, who has a vision for the future, who has the patience to put up with you when you are you, when you're at your best, when you're at your worst, when you're pregnant because you're a whole different person. A 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old is not able to provide that for anybody. Most of the people that kids your age want to date, they don't have a job. They don't have an idea of who they want to be when they grow up because you're still figuring out who you are right now. Right? So whenever people say like, oh, we're going to be together forever, they don't even go to the same college. What's the shelf life on that? <laughs> we'll see. So I want to encourage you guys. And again, you talk to your parents about this. They give you good advice on relationships. Uh, but for those of you listening who maybe don't have that support or maybe you have bad advice from your parents, we always go back to the Word of God. And Jesus says the two shall become one. And you can't really be a whole person while you're in school. You're still learning. You're still growing. I had a senior student come up to me the other day. And she's like, you know what? I decided I want to go to college. Her senior year. I'm like, okay, have you taken the PSAT? Have you taken the TSI? Have you passed all your star? And she's like, oh, I've got some work to do. Yeah. And that's how we should look at relationships. We want to fast forward and we want to skip ahead and we don't want to be patient. I mean, literally, chapter 13, verse 4 starts off with love is patient. And we want this. We want the couple goals. We want them to hold our hands and to know what we're thinking and just be there for us. And we can just kind of lean into them and feel warm and safe. But to get that, there's a process before you get there. And it's all laid out. You have to learn to be patient. You have to learn to be kind. You have to learn to forgive again. You forgot again. And if we're not exhibiting these characteristics, it's no surprise that the relationships don't last. Because in order for a relationship to last forever, we have to trust the only person who's been alive forever to teach us how to carry on a relationship forever. Because once you accept Jesus into your heart, you're together forever. And he begins to work on you. So that's my encouragement to you guys today. The two halves won't make you whole. So the next time you get those warm, fuzzy, kind of tingly, like, oh, wow, this guy smiled at me. He's so cute. 
And you're like, oh my God, she got <gasps> two dimples. Oh no, right? <laughs> or that hair, which could be extensions. We don't know. <laughs> don't be deceived by your mind, your body, what you think you know about people. Always stand on the Word of God. So remember the next time that you're having relationship troubles, two halves don't make a whole, which is why I titled today, Halves and Have-Nots. Because people think, well, once I have somebody, then I'll be whole. But that's not how it works. Two halves won't make you whole. Jesus said the two will become one. So thanks so much for listening in, guys. I hope this encourages you wherever you are and whatever you are doing. Uh, we hope to see you here in person next time. But as always, you can catch up anchor.fm slash GNC Victoria. We out.